Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. I have to make sound, otherwise it doesn't uh, it doesn't show my face. So I want to I want to get that in the background. You know, I want to show people my new background. That's why I do it. Maddie Bannick, what's up? Not much. Hanging out. Just got back from practice. Where are you right now? I like to ask all my guests. Where Where are you coming from? Uh, well, I'm at home in my bedroom. My cat's right here. If you see her. Well, I could guess that. Like, don't state the obvious. <laughs> where are you actually? in Knoxville, Tennessee. I mean, I got listeners all around the world, Maddie. You, you realize this now. Well, <laughs> that's true. Yes, Knoxville, Tennessee, United States of America. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> so what's going on? Listen, we're going to get into this straight away because this is pretty incredible. Like you're sitting in quarantine. You, uh, you, you know, you're trying to figure out your life like everybody else. You're trying, to, um, you're trying to be a professional swimmer when there's no professional swimming going on. And then all of a sudden, um, you did have a chance last year to swim in the ISL, but you weren't signed to a team this year and you hadn't had any offers to swim. So you and your coach, uh, coaches decide to get up and do a, uh, do a swim uh, in a suit and video it, put it on the internet, and then boom, what happened after that? You, you, you posted some crazy fast hundred fly and then all of a sudden the world went crazy, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so give us the breakdown of what happened. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I guess, I mean, my training has been a lot different since we've been back from a quarantine and it's been feeling really good. I've been putting up some really good times in practice and um, we got to suit up for the first time last Friday. And, um, Matt had told us on Tuesday that we would be suiting up. And I, that's literally all I could think about the entire week was just like, Oh, we're going to get to race ring. It's suit up. Like finally, like it's been so long. Um, and I was so excited about it all week. And, um, we get to Friday and we suit up and the actual set of the day was supposed to be three seventy fives fly mm. taking out a hundred. Um, so that's what I was going to do. 375 fly. And with like, there was no plan to do that hundred or anything or like, Hey, let's see if you can post up a time to get on the ISL team. Like none of that was being discussed. That wasn't even in my head. I was just excited to like get up and race some people. Um, so we did the first one and I went a 36, nine. And, um, I looked at Matt and I was like, I think we need to try a hundred. Like, why not? He was, and he was like, that's, a, he was like, yeah, let's do it. Like if you can, Cause I um, went out in like a 10, a 10 high 13 0 13 0 for that 36. Um, and mm -hmm. so, and so he was like, if you can bring it home, like under a 15, you're going to go your best time. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Let's try it. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, let's try a hundred. And um, I went out in a 23 two and then came home and whatever that is. <laughs> for that 56, um, not, or, or 50.6. 50.6. Um, yeah. 
and uh, it was crazy. I touched the wall, and uh, the the race itself didn't feel fantastic, um, but um, I touched the wall, and everyone was cheering, and Matt was really excited. And he looked at me. He was like, "You just won fifty point six, and that was like such a freeing feeling. Um, it was. I was like, kind of. I was honestly like in the clouds all weekend. Like it was just. <laughs> I've had such a high the past um, like three days, and um, yeah. So we did. We did that, and. Um, our manager was there to record it and he put it on social media. Did you, um, did you approve that? Like, did you say, yeah, cool. You can put that on social media. Yeah, I was fine with it. I mean, um, they like to, uh, video us. Um, and you, well, they are also in charge of some of our, uh, pro Instagram. Uh, so I was like, yeah, you can put it up there. I don't mind. And, um, and, um, yeah, so that went up there, the swimsuit article happened. And then I um, had Matt call me and he was like, Hey, the energy standard coach emailed me. Like they saw your hundred fly. Like they would love to have you on the team. And I was like, no way. Like it was such a, like, it was just, it was a crazy, a crazy couple days. Cause like I had been trying with ISL teams since quarantine, like, cause I knew how well I'd been practicing and Matt knew how well I'd been practicing. And I knew I was going to be faster than I have ever been. Um, but you know, like from a business standpoint, like you need to see the results and I didn't have any results to give anyone yet until that hundred fly. Well, it's really interesting. Cause I get asked all the time. I get messages from people like, how do I get noticed by an ISL team? How do I, how do I contact an ISL team? Um, you know, and, and my advice to them is just reach out to the managers of the team, you know, send, send some information, but this is a unique way of kind of getting your name out there. And, and um, yeah. you know, so for someone that wasn't on a team within uh, a couple of days, you go from, from that to being now signed with the defending champions of the whole um, ISL championship and, and, yeah. and, and favorites again for next year's championship as well. Some of the greatest swimmers in the world are on that team. So must be pretty special to, to see that all come about, huh? Yeah, it is. It's definitely a confidence booster. And like, um, you know, I'm really excited. Like last year with ISL, um, my training wasn't in a great spot. Like I wasn't like physically in a great spot. Um, and, you know, I was really hard on myself for like how I performed. I didn't, definitely didn't perform the way I wanted to. But um, this year, like everything's just been, you know, kind of falling into place and things are starting to pay off. So I'm really, really excited to see what, what I can pop out this year. So let's, uh, well, there's so much to talk about. I mean, that's really cool. It's, and, and that's great to, for other young professional athletes to, to see what you've done and see how you did it. And, and really, um, I think it's kind of a, uh, you know, you've opened doors for them to say, hey, there's different ways that you can go about this now. And this is a pretty cool thing. Like get up and do a time trial. If you want people to see how you're swimming, then record it and put it on social media. And, and if, if you think it's good enough, it'll get, it'll get noticed, you know? Mm. So that's, yeah. that's cool that Swim Swam did that article as well. But um, I'm really interested also in your training. Obviously, you haven't been able to do or, or haven't done what you may normally uh, you know, would have done during this time. So what are some of the things that have been different for you just in this past four months? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'd say, I mean, everything's been different. Um, and uh, right now, especially like the past couple months, it hasn't really been like a force different. It's been a, it was kind of forced at the beginning and it was working. And so we just kind of kept it going. 
Um, but we started regularly training again around May. Um, you know, we went to our training group, went to Florida for a couple weeks before everything got really crazy. Um, and we swam there. And then when we came back, we had some random pool space. And then the beginning of July, I believe. Yeah. July, we actually were able to get into the school's outdoor pool at a very consistent, um, like, you know, like seven to nine times a week type of training. And now, um, and through August, we were in the indoor old pool, which is where that video was taken. Um, again, like doing three doubles, a, three doubles a week um, and having a very consistent training schedule. And just this week, we actually got back into like our actual college pool, which has been really exciting. Um, so it's been, it's been um, pretty consistent, but I'd say, I mean, I don't really know, even know where to start with this because like everything is different from what I was doing. Like my nutrition's different. My lifting is different. My swimming is different. Um, but I say with my swimming, especially like um, we took an approach of when I came back from quarantine of doing more sprint focused practices. Um, kind of like how I talked to you at that one clinic about like when it's time to go fast, go fast. When it's time to go like turn it off, turn it off. Um, and I'm a very competitive person by nature. So if I'm training with someone like Erica Brown every single day, like I always, always want to be with her or stick with her or beat her. And I'm not, my body's not built in a way to where I can go all out the whole practice and recover to where I can perform again the next practice. Um, so I have to pick and choose when I'm going to go fast um, and when I'm going to go, you know, smoother, slower, more aerobic. Um, so right now my practices probably range between a 3,500 and a 5,500. Um, the 35 being more like power focused practices and the 55 more aerobic. Um, and we do swim three doubles a week and three singles a week. Um, and it's all very like, we've started doing to where my aerobic practices are actual heart rate, like 140, 150, maybe 160. Um, and it's like, it doesn't matter what time you go, just keep your heart rate there. We're a lot more heart rate focused now. Cause, um, like me trying to race people or keep up with people, even if it's just like a calm aerobic practice, my heart rate still can get up to like 170, 180 really, really easily in my swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've kind of started paying attention to that and playing around with that. And, you know, um, and then when I go fast, like I'm going all out fast. It's not like a, like, um, like a, oh, I'm going to go fast, but I have like eight more to do. It's like an all out false the wall fast. <laughs> now, are you spending less time in the water? Like, do you only have a certain amount of time? Whereas before it was kind of like, oh, the pool's open. We can take as long as we need to. But are, are you now relegated to this amount of time, get in, get out? Um, not really. Um, we swim in the mornings after the college team. So the afternoon's completely open. And then we swim at night in the evenings at like 6.30. And so mm. we're the last people at the pool. So we can take as long as we want. Um, we usually don't take over two hours, but um, it's not, we don't really have time constrictions now. Okay. So how is it different than what you were doing before in terms of, um, you, you know, you said you were disappointed with your training last season and then this season you feel really good about it and you feel like it's different T give me the major points where you feel like these are the things i know are different that are making me better 
Yeah. Um, so I think one of the big ones is definitely the weight room. Um, I'm a gym rat. I'm definitely a gym rat. I love the gym. When I'm done swimming, I will probably be a big weightlifter. Um, it's one of my happy places. Um, but for a few years now, I've been focusing way too much on like the weight I'm throwing around and not enough on like my times in the water. Um, so I'm like my, and my strength coach has been telling me this. He's like, you're strong. You're very strong woman. Um, especially for like your weight and height, like you're a strong woman. You don't need to get stronger. You need to get faster. Hmm. Um, so now in the weight room, I've kind of stopped throwing around like heavy, heavy weights and, you know, like trying to PR all the time and, um, do crazy stuff in the weight room. And we actually use these BFR. Have you heard of the BFR cups? No, so talk to me. Restriction. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been using those blood flow restriction cuffs recently and I'm a huge fan of them. Um, cause you don't have to lift, sorry, you don't have to lift as heavy. Um, but it's still like from the lack of oxygen and the blood flow, you get to release that growth hormone, growth okay. hormone. So you can recover faster from it. So I've been doing that and I love that. And, um, not being as exhausted and like drained from weights has allowed me to train a lot faster in the pool. Mm. Um, and the other thing is just like, again, like with the, um, the like choosing when to go fast. Like, you know, I was always trying to race people and, you know, I had to empty my tank by the time the warm up was over, just trying to, you know, push myself even at the very beginning of practice. So now like I have very specific times, um, in practice where I go fast, like warm up is to warm up, you know, so I'm usually the very, I'm usually the last person to finish warm up. Like I take my time, figure out my technique, my stroke. Um, and then when Matt says it's aerobic, I keep my heart rate at 150. And when he says to go fast, like I'm going all out fast. And I don't think I used to do that. Um, last year, I think it was more so a sur- like I was in survival mode at practice. Mm. And um, now I think I'm much more in like attack mode, you know, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like the attitude and I like the growth and just maturity of, of figuring out like, look, when it's time to sprint, I've really got to sprint. I got to go. Yeah. And, and even just adjusting your weights. Cause I think it's important for, for women and, and for guys to get into the gym and attack the gym. I think that is important, but you don't want it to get to a point where it's all about the gym and it takes away from the swimming. There's got to yeah. be a balance where you are getting stronger and, and you may go through a period of time uh, initially where you're learning that stuff and, and it's just, it's just going to affect the swimming no matter what. Um, but I think you do have to adjust to a point where it, it, you can't be getting, you can't killing, kill yourself in the gym and then try to transfer that to the water and just be swimming terrible and expect to swim fast off that. So there has to be an adjustment period where the swimming comes back around to take precedent. So it's nice to hear you adjusting to that, but, but I'm a big believer too in the fact that look, when it's time to go, fast you got to go fast you you can't be at 80 percent or you can't be at six out of ten um in terms of rep count you know if your coach wants you to do that five times you got to hit it five times you can't be you can't be two or three times um, i'm a big believer in look if if i want you to go on this amount of time you got to hit that so it's nice to hear that growth in your, your sprinting and, and just your understanding of, of sprinting as well. Yeah, definitely. It's been yeah. a lot more fun to train that way too. Yeah. And I think you feel a lot more confident when you get up on the block too. It's like, okay, 
I know that I know I can get into the mode of where I need to be in order to be at my top end and, um, and really attack this race. And so, and then I, I you know, you, you get to situations where it was like, where Matt says, all right, we're going to do 75s. And you say, Hey, why don't we hit a hundred here? You know, like, and then now you're offering your own advice to the program too, of like, I think I can really knock a good hundred out. Like that's where I think the, the feedback from the athlete is really important too. It's like, Hey, you've got a say in this. And if you feel like you're feeling this right now, let's, let's do it. You know, I trust you just as much as you trust me. And it's nice to see that relationship that you have with Matt. Um, and I think that's what makes him a special coach as well. Right. Yeah. I love Matt. <laughs> Matt's like basically like a second father to me. Um, you know, he's definitely one of those guys who is there. Like, I mean, of course, like he's always there on the swimming side and he's very like technical and innovative. And like, it's always thinking of how to make you better and wants to hear your thoughts on things. But he also like cares about so much of the outside of swimming too. And just like you as a person and your life and you know, what you have going on and um, what you're really expelling and out of the water. So he's just, he's, he's a great guy. Well, what was keeping you motivated? You know, at one point you didn't really have much of a hope of swimming ISL and then, you know, the Olympic trials has been postponed. What was keeping you so motivated or what shifted for you in the, in the past few months to get you re-motivated? Yeah, well, um, you know, I honestly would say that it was, it was like, um, how fast I was going in practice. Um, you know, like we started, uh, doing a lot of um, like lactate heavy sets or like just getting up and going fast, like see what you can go. Um, and I was going faster than I have in years, like just in practice and at the end of practice, you know? Um, and like, I knew I wasn't on an ISL team and I, kn I knew that would be challenging to um, be training alone because almost all of our other girls are also signed to ISL teams. Um, but I, you know, I, don't think I've ever had too much of a hard time of like shifting my focus to what's next. Like I think as swimmers, especially like in meet settings or like after conference and NCAAs or after a bad race to the next race, like um, I was like, okay, I sell maybe not in the cards. That's fine. But like, we still have trials and I'm doing really well in practice right now. And let's see how, how um, long I can ride that. And if I can keep getting better and, you know, I'm a big believer in like what's meant to be will be. And so I knew ISL wasn't for another like month and a half. So like the chances of me being on a team weren't gone yet. So, you know, even when I was in practice, I was like train just like if you had to race in two months. Um, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't happen, then you've only gotten better. But if it does happen and you're not prepared, you're going to regret that. Wow. Yeah. I really like that attitude. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a real professional attitude. And, and I mean, just on that, I don't know if you saw the article that came out yesterday in regards to um, the head of the ISL, you know, came out and said, um, you know, swimmers need to be more professional. Did you get a chance to read that article? I did. I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about that? I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I personally, like, I don't mind missing holidays or you know family events or a friend's birthday I think is what he like <laughs> um gave an example towards but you know um I a lot of people like do really really care about that and I think it would be a hard mind shift you know like missing Christmas especially when you have like a very like intimate um family like if you have like a wife and a daughter and um or a son and things like that like I can imagine that would be very very challenging but 
you know, I mean, if we are trying to be like professional swimmers here, then, um, and it's expected of other sports, then I think it would be definitely be a shift in mindset because we aren't necessarily used to things like that. Um, but I guess like as, as, as the league grows more serious and like, as they try to make us like real professional athletes and being paid like real professional athletes and being viewed in the public as real professional athletes, then, you know, sometimes the hard things like that come with it and you have to be okay with that. Well, I've already touched on some of these things, but I know you personally, and I know the the person you were in college to the person you are, let's say just today and the shift that you have, you've had to make in the professional sense, you know, you go from college where you're surrounded by like-minded people all doing the same thing, all holding each other accountable. And then you go into this pro setting where it's kind of like you're on your own, you know? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the shifts in mentality that you've had to make in order to be a successful pro swimmer coming out of having a successful college career? Yeah. Um, so I, I'll be honest. I really thought I would have a hard time being a pro swimmer cause I am very team oriented. Um, like anytime I was swimming with the college team, you know, I was always thinking about like, how can I help the team? Um, how can I be better for the team? You know, how can I lead, how can I lead this team? Like, how are we going to win championships? How are we going to win relays? Um, and that was kind of what I was always thinking about. Um, so when I became a pro swimmer, you know, I kind of had to shift my focus to like, okay, I almost had to get a little more selfish, I guess, mm. you know, like be like, okay, now it's like you, like whatever you do is for you and it's mm. riding on your back. And in some way that took a little bit of the pressure off because it wasn't like, oh, you swim a bad race and you let down like 30 girls. Um, you know, it was just like you and your swimming. Um, so for me, it took a little bit of pressure off, you know, cause I wasn't affecting so, so much anyone else with my swimming, but I also, you know, kind of let myself play around with things, I guess. Um, uh, like we did with, um, the training now, you know, like it's a lot less than I've been doing. Um, it's a lot, you know, sometimes I'm out of the water, like 45 minutes to it yesterday. It was like almost a whole hour before everyone else. And if I was on the college team, that would get in my head, you know, like, Oh my God, everyone's swimming, like training harder than me. They're doing more than me. Like I'm just getting behind. Um, and I think being a pro swimmer and kind of figuring out what works for me really let me change my mindset of like, you're different, you're unique. Um, your like body is built different than other people and you figured out with what works. So trust that and just, you know, run with it. So that was definitely one of the big things that changed for me, like from like a college team oriented swimmer to a like individualistic pro swimmer. Yeah. Um, but you know, I still have like a huge support system. Our Tennessee elite team here is amazing. And like, we consider ourselves a team, like obviously we don't like score points as a team, but um, we really push each other in practice and support each other in and out of the pool. So um, it hasn't changed too terribly much, I would say. I also saw you doing some things in quarantine that maybe you, you wouldn't have done if regular swimming was going on. I saw you running stairs and I saw you cycling and I saw you doing things that you were, you felt like you were almost um, forced or challenged to do like think outside the box, but, but keep yourself engaged and keep yourself challenged and I, I, I like to see that. Like, I like to see a professional athlete adjusting and, and just figuring out the situation. And um, so were there, were there conscious decisions you made there in terms of outside of the pool, whether it be fitness or even eating or, you know, things like that, where you had to make 
decisions that you, you, you might not normally make? Um, you mean like during quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. I w- I mean, I would definitely say so. Um, I actually played around with a lot of my nutrition during quarantine. Um, you know, because we weren't training as heavy. Um, and there was no like meat that I'm like, Oh, if this doesn't work, then it's going to mess with my body. Like I didn't have to worry about that. So I was like, this is the time to experiment. And I did that a little bit with my like land training too. Mm. Um, but I played around my nutrition. Um, I started eating a lot healthier. Um, I'm a sucker for junk food. I love junk food. I love fast food. I know it's bad for me, but I really like it. Um, and I started, you know, kind of figuring out, um, you know, uh, how many calories I was burning versus how many I needed to intake to fuel my body. Um, I started playing around with macros and, you know, just kind of figuring things out and what worked for me and got a pretty solid, um, plan down, which clearly has still been working. I've still been following it. Um, and I mean, with training in quarantine, I had actually a lot of fun training in quarantine. Um, I think I was stuck in a little bit of a rut with swimming. Um, and you know, I was just kind of going through the motions, like trying to get better, but just kind of was detached from like my body and paying attention to what my body was feeling in the water. Um, so quarantine kind of gave me the opportunity to, you know, figure out, um, how to respond to what my body was doing, not in the water. So I did a lot of yoga, a lot of cycling, boxing, um, running, lifting, and, um, you know, each, but each time I did one of those, like I was always thinking about swimming. So like with biking, like I'd be like, all right, one more lap. This is the last part of your, this is the last 25 of your hundred, like push it, see what you can do. Or with boxing, like, you know, like just buckling your abs down and being like, okay, this is your Tennessee finish, like tighten your core and just, you know, go for it. So it was like little things like that, where I was still in a swimming mindset, but, um, but also, you know, doing it on land. And I think that really, really helped when I got back in the water. Um, I felt a different level of connection mm. to the water and to my body than I um, probably have in a very, very long time. And so we were just able to build off of that. Um, and it's, it's been really helping my swimming, I would say. I like that. Uh, really good advice there. Um, let's dig into the, the diet just a little bit for a second. Um, you know, for, for someone that loves junk food and doesn't understand healthy eating too much, how did you go from that mindset to, okay, let's make some adjustments. Did you do the research yourself online or did you have a professional to talk to or how did you figure it out? Yeah, no, I did a little bit of it online. Um, you know, well, I was a kinesiology major, so nutrition was kind of built in with that a little bit. Um, so I had some like basic knowledge of it and I, I mean, I don't do anything too fancy, but, um, I have an app on my phone um, it's called life sum that I use for my nutrition. And it'll basically like, you just plug in what you ate, like the amount and what kind brand, and it has all the nutrition info in it programmed already for you. So it'll tell you like how much protein you had, how many carbs, how many, um, you know, sugars and fats and calories of each thing. Um, and you know, I just kind of played around with, um, I'm a, I have a protein heavy diet for sure. Um, I try to get a lot of protein in and um uh you know i just try to have a ba- i just try to have balanced meals like fats carbs and proteins of all my meals and then you know as swimmers like we burn a lot of calories we're in the water like two hours a day sometimes twice a day like that's a lot of calories so you have to make sure you're eating enough to fuel your body and um 
And, you know, it also kind of keeps me on track for my junk food. Like, I'm not saying I never have junk food. I'm actually probably gonna have a burger tonight. Um, but, uh, it kind of like keeps it easier to, um, not let myself be like, you, you know, you let myself off the hook if, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing how it's working into my diet. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so you do some research, you, you understand the, the macro and micronutrients. So what are some simple adjustments, some, some advice you can give to people that are listening, just simple things that they can do to make adjustments in their diet to, to um, make healthy changes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I would say one of the biggest changes I made was just, um, eating like very like simple foods, you know, like I eat a ton of ground Turkey. I eat a lot of rice, I eat a lot of sweet potatoes, I eat a ton of fruits, veggies. Like, um, one of the things I learned in school, which I do a lot now is when you're at the store shop, the outer ring of the store, because mm -hmm. that's where all your produce, your meats, your dairy, um, all that's going to be, um, and all your processed foods are going to be more in the middle of the store. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when I come home from the store, like it's usually all veggies, all fruit, all protein, I'll have some, you know, beans and then maybe some like popcorn or crackers or, you know, cookies, like just something, you know, like an 80, 20 rule, like 80% healthy, 20% unhealthy is kind of what, um, I go for. Cause I'll go crazy without my sweets. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would just say, you know, like it doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, there, it's very easy to shop like cheap and eat healthy. Um, so yeah. Now, do you plan your food ahead? Obviously, you know that you're going to go to a two hour workout and you're going to be hungry when you get out. And the first thing you're going to want to crave is junk food. So are you planning ahead for that? I do. Yeah. I actually meal prep, um, usually on Sundays or Mondays. And, um, I usually only make, I usually only meal prep dinner this week. I actually meal prepped, um, breakfast and lunch, um, just so I could free up fridge space a little bit. But, um, yeah, no, I have a specific time. I eat my meals that work with training. Um, I don't really like to go into training with my stomach very full. Um, it makes me feel really heavy, so I don't like it. Um, so I'll usually eat like two and a half ish hours out from practice and then maybe have a little snack right before. Um, and then I'll try and eat as soon as I get home. But I have found that if I go to the store and I buy all my meals for the week, um, instead of like coming home and trying to like think what I want, then there's a much better chance of me eating something healthy than mm. just going to get takeout or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Planning ahead is, is key, I think, when it comes to nutrition. That's one of the things I learned is, you know, I, don't, I would always make decisions uh, on the spot, like, oh, I'm hungry. No joke. You just swam for two hours. Of course, you're <laughs> going to be hungry. So it's like, once you plan for that, you know, you're going to be hungry, then you can plan for well, what do I want to eat? What do I need to eat when I'm hungry? Because it's going to happen. And I, I found my performance um, my consistency level in practice just leveled out. Like I just had better practices throughout the week. I didn't crash and burn at the end of the week. Um, yeah, I could never figure out why I couldn't just get through a great week of training. And it's like a lot of that had to do with diet and sleep, you know, getting to bed on time, getting the right amount of sleep and then getting the nutrients that I needed at the right time. And I like what you said there in terms of I, I eat at certain times because that's important too, like eating at the right time. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. 
Well, listen, I appreciate that information. That's, that's pretty good. I haven't really dug into to specifics of that. And it's pretty simple. You know, a lot of it is just, um, you can do a lot of the research on your own, but it is a little bit experimental. But I like that advice you gave of kind of shopping on the outside of the, of the uh, there, there are little tricks to, to the way that they set food up in grocery stores as well. And learning how to shop, I think, is, is a skill. It's like learning to wash your clothes. Like no one really no one really teaches you how to wash your clothes. It's just something your mom and dad always do for you. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I got to wash my own clothes. How do I do that? So it's like (laughs) learning how to shop is a skill as well. So um, I I like that advice. Now, something that else I wanted to get into, and I know you're open to talking about this because it's something that um, you've gone through and, and, and you're kind of a leader within your, your own little community on this as well. But like when, I, when I'm doing a podcast like this, the first thing I do is type someone's name in and do a little bit of research on, on uh, Google. And, and one of the things that pops up straight away is one of the headlines is, you know, Maddie Bannock on suicide attempt. There's an article on this whole thing that you, you've gone through in, in your past. And, and it's pretty... Um, you know, confronting when you read it, like, oh, wow. But, um, but I know you're open to it and, and know you're willing to talk about it. And yesterday there was a big campaign of, you know, are you okay? And kind of checking in with, with family and friends and, and that sort of thing. So talk to me about this a little bit. Um, when, when did this, uh, what, what was it for you and when did it start? Um, okay. So for me, um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety my freshman summer. So the, the summer of trials, um, 2016. How did and you know I, something was going on? What was happening? You know, I, I'd had, a, I'd, I've struggled with self-harm since my junior year of high school. And I went to college and freshman year, everything was fine and dandy. You know, like you're on such a high from the freedom of college and starting something new um, that, you know, I was just a very like happy go lucky person. And I kind of shoved every, everything from high school, like just down. Um, and that never works. Don't ever do that. Um, don't shove it down. (laughs) But, um, when sophomore year came around, you know, um, like things just started getting difficult again. Um, the friendships were hard and, um, you know, I was just, I was angry a lot. Like the easiest way I can always describe it. I was just, I was always angry. Um, any little thing would set me off and I would get mad at people and I get mad at myself and get mad at my family. Um, and you know, I was just, I wasn't very happy. Um, I would like do things with people or hang out with people. Um, and I just like, wouldn't be having a fun time. Like all I'd wanted to do is go home and like crawl in bed and just not do anything. Um, and so I got diagnosed with that my freshman year and, um, it like finally made sense to me and it was a very refreshing feeling. Cause I was like, finally, like I knew this wasn't like just who I am as a person. Like there's no way that like I'm supposed to be feeling this way. Um, and so it was really refreshing and I was I would like dare to say excited because I was like, all right, we know what's wrong. You can fix it. If you know what's wrong, you can work on fixing it. Um, and, and what so were some of the going, steps that they, they did for working on to fix it at that point? Yeah. So they, um, they were like, let's try therapy. And I started seeing our, like one of the athletic department's therapists, I love her to death. Um, we started trying medicine. We started trying, you know, yoga, breathing exercises, you know, kind of the things you hear about. And for me, like, I wasn't really buying into it, you know, um, 
nothing was working immediately and it doesn't work immediately. But back then I was like, I want it to work now. I want to be fixed now. I don't want the patience or to keep trying. Um, and so nothing was really working. It wasn't going as fast as I wanted it to. Um, so I was just getting more and more fresh aid, more and more down. And, um, uh, I started, um, drinking a lot, which like in college isn't weird. You know, it didn't really raise red flags because that's the, the college culture is like getting, um, getting drunk, binge drinking. Like that's not strange, but I started doing that a lot. Um, I started self-harming again, you know, um, was having a lot of panic attacks, um, like at practice, um, at home, like just always kind of, um, one of my big things with pan panic attacks is like, I dissociate. So like, I won't really respond. I get really shaky. Um, I feel like I have static in my fingers and in my nose. Um, I'm not a huge, like I don't hyperventilate too terribly bad, but, um, you know, I just kind of like zone out for a second. Now, were you um, taking your medication regularly at this point? Yeah. So, um, at this point in my life, we were trying a bunch of different medications. So like the things with antidepressants is that, um, some, or one type that will work for someone might not work for someone else. And you get, and when you go through all these and try them, you also get all the really terrible side effects of each of them too, you know? And so it was a kind of a trial and error process, which is not fun. Anyone who's ever had to do it will tell you it's not fun to do. Um, but you know, and, and it was just frustrating because we couldn't find one that works for me that, you know, either didn't make me feel sick or made me feel tired or, you know, sometimes, um, antidepressants even, um, like, um, trigger, uh, suicide ideations. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't necessarily making anything better because we couldn't find the right one. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just started coping with it in unhealthy ways and, um, hurting people and hurting myself and just getting really frustrated. And it just came, it got, it got to a point where like, um, I'm a, like, I'm a lover. Like that's one of the ways I describe myself is like when I, um, like bond with someone or get really close to someone, like I would do anything for them. And I was at a point in my life where I was hurting the people I love the most. And I like, just couldn't mentally handle that. Um, and I couldn't handle that. Like I was so upset and so sad and just, there was nothing really in my life that I was like excited about. Um, so there was a sun, a Sunday in August where I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to hurt people. Like, it's just too hard. We've tried, nothing's working. Um, and it had been like almost a full year by that point of, you know, just trial and error, trying to figure out what was going on. And, um, you know, I, I got all the medicine I had in my house and I went to my room and I started writing goodbye letters and I actually texted my therapist one last time just to like, just to like, be like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like it wasn't your fault. Um, and you know, it was in probably the, like the lowest point I've ever been in my life. And she actually, thankfully it was a Sunday and she was, she was near her phone and got a hold of my roommates and my roommates busted down my door and stopped me from doing anything. Um, but it was not even a week after that. I, um, we both decided like voluntarily that I was like, I need to leave. Like I need to go get help. Um, I'd really scared myself that day. Um, and I think a lot of people who have been close to suicide or had, have attempted will tell you that like when you, um, 
are in the moment and like are going to do it, um, you can sometimes regret it. And I definitely did. I was like, I uh, was very thankful that my roommates were able to stop me from doing anything. Um, but I had scared myself and we decided that I needed to, you know, go get some real professional help without the pressures of school or swimming or people just in general. And so, um, I ended up leaving my junior year for that fall semester. And I went to a treatment center in Chicago for a month. I was there over September. And, um, afterwards, you know, I, 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 I really, uh, that, like, I always say that, that, that treatment center was probably the most like scarring, but also like useful month of my entire life. Like I learned so much while I was there. I met some incredible people. Like my eyes were just completely opened. And you know, at, when I first got there, I wasn't, I was not happy to be there, but, um, once I kind of let myself like buy into, you know, healing and working through things and, um, you know, really trying to better myself, like there weren't any, like that was all I was there to do. And so once I like bought into it and actually got to focus all day on, you know, um, getting better, um, it got a lot easier and I started to learn a lot of things. Um, and I started to get, you know, just like processing a lot of things and learning things. And, um, I got really excited to go back to Knoxville <laughs> and I figured out while I was there that like, I wanted to keep swimming. Like my passion was still in swimming and I thought maybe leaving swimming, um, you know, and there was always that, that kind of voice in my head that was like, maybe you'd be happier if you didn't swim. Like you're upset now when you're swimming. Um, ever since you started like high level elite swimming, you haven't been okay. So maybe swimming's the problem. And that was always a little thing in my head that I didn't want to believe, but always thought. Um, but once I actually took swimming away, like I realized how much I loved it and how much I missed it. Um, and how it just really gave me a, um, it just really gave me like an avenue to get rid of that competitive energy in my, um, you know, my personality is just very competitive. Um, so I wanted to go back. I wanted to keep swimming and, um, you know, I worked my way back to the team. It wasn't very easy. There were definitely some obstacles along the way, but, um, you know, I got back into it and Matt was, Matt was so supportive during all of this. And, you know, there was never a hesitate, a hesitation from him to not let me back on the team. Like he welcomed me back with open arms and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm thankful he did because I definitely wouldn't be swimming right now if he, if he didn't. Wow. A really, um, powerful message right there. Powerful story. Um, and I'm just taking it all in as you were talking about, it, and I appreciate you being so open with us because there's probably a lot of people that are experiencing similar things. And I think we're, we're becoming more open to understanding it and talking about it and, accepting it and it's nice to know that you had a coach that was there all along and, and helpful i'd imagine it would be a difficult situation for him having a swimmer come back from a treatment center and not knowing you know obviously as coaches we we need to push our athletes we need to try and take them to places they don't think they can possibly go as well so i'd imagine for a coach did you have any conversations with matt at any point or how was, how did he handle that in order to, 
you know, progress you as an athlete, but also support you as somebody that's really struggling personally as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt is like, he's always, he's, he's one of those coaches that like always wants to learn something. He's not like a, Oh, I know everything. Like he's always, always trying to learn something. And he was the same way with, um, you know, with me and my situation, like before I left, he had questions, um, while I was gone, he would call me and, you know, just try and stay in touch. And then when I got back, like, it was very like, okay, we're not going to just like throw you into this. Like you take the time you need, um, work back to it, like communicate. Like I still have days and I had plenty of days in college and I still have days now where, um, you know, it's just, it's not a good mental day for me. Um, and I can, I can go up to Matt and be like, listen, it's not a good mental day. Um, I think I should, uh, like, I don't think I should swim today. Or I think I just need to, you know, get in the water so I can like keep feeling the water, but, um, it's gonna help me more if, um, you know, I can get my mind right than like really pushing myself in practice today. And he never has a problem with that. You know, um, he knows I wouldn't abuse that. Um, and he, you know, trusts when I tell him that like, this is what I need. And, um, you know, he, he was, he was so, so open to like learning about my situation and, you know, we have had, um, he's only gotten better with it too, because I mean, as many college teams do, like there are plenty of people who, um, you know, struggle with mental health on our team as well. And, you know, he just, I can see a growth in him and his understanding of mental health issues, um, probably the same way that he's seen it in me over the years. So mm-hmm. he, you know, he definitely, he definitely cares and he wants to be there and um, support you, like not just as a coach. He's got that down, <laughs> but yeah. also just as like a dad and a human being. And so he, nice. yeah, he's great. Nice. What do you think was the biggest um, deciding factor in, in you kind of, getting this under control do you think it was just an understanding of who you are and an acceptance of some of the things in your life or like how did you go from somebody that had no control to somebody that has you know good control over you know your challenges yeah um I think for me it's it is an acceptance I would say um you know, like not every day is perfect. You know, some days are really, really bad. Some days I literally like don't want to get out of bed or, you know, like clean my room or even feed my dog. Like there are plenty of days where I have like really, really bad days. Um, and it's taken many, many years and tons and tons of practice, just like swimming, Mm. um, to understand that like, just because you have those bad days, like it doesn't mean that like, like you're, a mess as a person, yeah. you know, um, like I just have to like let those days happen and, mm. um, not try to be like, Oh, I'm going to force myself to do this or just push through it. Or cause that's what I did a lot of times is I would just ignore the feelings and, um, you know, just be like, you're fine. You're just being a wimp. You're a baby, like get over it. Um, I just kind of like let myself feel it now. Um, and like it, like I say this a lot, like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to like ask for help. It's okay to, you know, show what you're feeling and, um, not be perfect all the time. You can't always be perfect. Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is like when I do have a bad day or a a bad thought, even just to like, let myself notice it, let myself feel it. Don't try to change it, you know, Mm. just let it happen and then try again the next day. 
Uh, now, are you more willing to let people in now as well? Like I'd imagine at first you, you don't even want to admit there's a problem. So you force people out. Are you now more welcoming when people try to check in with you? Yeah, um, I would I would say so. I mean, I definitely don't lie to people if they ask. Um, like if something's wrong, I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, having a day. Like um, I'm not always, um, you know, I had definitely had an issue when I was first going through all my mental illness of like, uh, being codependent on people. So like, I would expect other people to fix what I was feeling because mm. I couldn't do it. So someone else had to do it. Mm. Um, and so I am a lot more careful with that now. Like, um, it's not necessarily that I don't, uh, you know, reach out to people or talk to people about what's going on per se, because I'm ashamed of it. It's more so because, um, I definitely know that as a person, like sometimes I can get too like attached and like expect them to help. And they do like people do help, but I, my personality is just like, I expect them to do way too much. And so I'm definitely open with people, but I also don't necessarily like reach to attach to people either. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Sure. Are you, uh, are you more, um, accepting of who you are now are you proud of your results are you proud of um the, the you know the progress that you've made and the and the person you are today yeah definitely um <laughs> it's funny you say that because my roommate always says he's like your life could be a movie um <laughs> and i'm like yeah you're probably right he keeps telling me to write a book which i might do one day but not right now <laughs> um but yeah i'd say so you know um like in the moment like in the moment when all this is happening, people are always like, you're so brave, so courageous. Like you fought your way back. And like, while it was all happening, I didn't really feel like that. But I guess if I look back, like I am like very proud of like how low I got and how high I am able to be now. And, you know, it is a very like proud and confidence filled feeling. So yeah, I would say so. Definitely. Cool. Well, amazing story. And you should write a book at some point. So I hope, <laughs> I hope you do, but, um, well, it's pretty cool. You, you know, now you're on a team with some of the, the greatest uh, female swimmers in the world, uh, especially Sarah Sostrom. That, that must, it's going to be pretty cool to learn from her, right? Yes. I'm beyond excited um, to be able to train with some of these sprint girls. Like it's going to be crazy. That's what Matt was like. You need to go with them so you can train under their coach and train with them and just see what they do. And, you know, like I, um, we have like foreigners on our team, but you always hear about how some of the um, foreigners train different than the Americans do. So I'm very interested to see like what their training's like, what their lifting is like, um, you know, and just kind of see if I can improve in my training with them too. Awesome. Well, listen, um, cool, cool story. I mean, from, from all the good stuff and all the bad stuff and everything in between, um, you're an amazing person. You know what I think of you, you know, I think you're, you're incredible. So we have a good relationship too. You work for fitter and faster and you do an incredible job with the kids and giving back to the next generation and you're a great teacher. Um, so I know that that's a big part of what you do. And, and so I'm proud that you work for our company as well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, listen. All right. Well, listen. Good luck. Uh, sucks that you're not part of the LA Current, um, but I know you've moved on to some some bigger and better things. It'll be pretty cool to compete and go away to to Budapest again for for a month. Is it a month or five weeks? How long do you go for? It's like uh, I think it's like closer to six weeks than six five weeks. weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, listen. Enjoy yeah. it. Um, good luck. 
I know you guys will have a lot of fun out there. I'm very jealous. I'm not coming, but um, I'll be watching, paying close attention. All right. Sounds good. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for joining us today and uh, we'll, we'll catch up again. All right. Take care, Maddie. You too. Bye.